0: chapter thirty nine of carpenter's geographical reader asia by frank carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b the native states of india a visit to the rajah of Jaipur. today we are to visit one of the chief native states parts of india as we have learned are not directly ruled by the british scattered over hindustan are many provinces some large and some small which are governed by native princes or rajahs each of whom has the help and advice of a british resident or official whom the viceroy stations at the capital the rajahs collect the taxes and administer the laws they can make public improvements organize schools and develop their countries or not as they will but if a rajah misgoverns or oppresses his subjects the british adviser rebukes him and the viceroy may even dethrone him and appoint another man in his place some of these rajahs are well educated and they are doing all they can to better the condition of their people several have established factories and schools and others are making great irrigation works and teaching their farmers how to get the most out of the land almost all of them live in great splendor having gorgeous palaces with thousands of servants some have armies with camel and elephant troops to impress their own subjects as to their power although the british do not allow them to make war upon their neighbors they often ride upon elephants when they go in state from one place to another the most powerful of these native rulers is the nizam of hyderabad whose capital city surrounded by walls we have already seen another strong rajah governs mysore in south india and others have provinces in parts of the great plain in cashmere and in the himalaya mountains several of the most important rajahs are in western india in a region known as rajputana and we can visit one of them on our way from benares to bombay the native state we select is jaipur it is almost twice as large as massachusetts and its population is over two millions the prince who rules it has the title of Maharaja, he is friendly to foreigners and will make us at home here we are at his capital it is said to be the finest native city in india and we have seen nothing like it so far in our travels imagine a city as big as omaha surrounded by a thick wall as high as a two-story house which is pierced by seven gates guarded by cannon let the buildings be of two stories and of the same height and painted rose-pink let them stand close to the sidewalks with balconies projecting so that arcades run below from house to house enabling one to be out of the sun as he walks through the town let the streets be wide and as hard and as smooth as our best roads at home lay them out so that they cross one another at right angles and you have some idea of jaipur but look at the roofs they are flat and upon them sit or walk women and children clad in gay colors flocks of parrots pigeons and crows are flying about and resting here and there on them the balconies are filled with dark-faced men and boys wearing turbans and gowns and with bright-eyed hindu maidens whose faces are covered with shawls except that their eyes shine out through the folds we walk through the arcades stopping at the shops in which the dark-skinned bearded merchants sit cross-legged with their goods piled around them they have cottons and silks and jewelry of all kinds together with the knick-knacks and other wares used by the people we step out into the street and make our way through one of the most picturesque crowds of men and beasts to be found in the world the people are dark-faced and many of them are fine-looking some rush along and others move leisurely some are chatting others are pushing and yelling there are hundreds of camels sullenly stalking with ungainly stride through the crowds here comes one which a woman is riding she sits on the hump her bare feet upon which show golden anklets resting against the sides of the animal she has a shawl over her head but this is so folded that one of her black eyes can be seen as she motions her servant who is leading the beast where to go see that other camel coming up the street with a load of stones on each side his hump he has two great paving flags each as big as the top of a table slung there by ropes he is evidently disgusted for he moves along with his lower lip down pouting like a spoiled child at the side of the road kneels a third camel being loaded with lumber his drivers are tying long rafters one after another to his back at each addition the great beast blubbers and cries like a baby we can see the tears roll down from his proud angry eyes up the street ambles another camel ridden by a soldier and behind him is one with a boy on his back but look at the elephants there are a dozen of them each ridden by a black driver in white clothes and turban moving down the street double file those elephants belong to the rajah and the drivers are his servants who are taking the beasts out for exercise and then there are thousands of bullocks carrying hay stones and various kinds of merchandise here comes one with a man on his back he wears a turban and his long beard rich gown and red leather shoes turned up at the toes makes us wonder who he may be we see arabian horses ridden by the rajah's officials and others of the rich men of the city the riders have gold chains round their necks gold bracelets on their arms and gold rings on their fingers they wear gold-embroidered turbans and cloth of gold vests while their lower garments are of cloths rich and costly they sit straight as they ride and by the side of each runs a groom who having cleared the way for his master goes back and trots along by his stirrup waiting for orders the crowd on foot is equally interesting see these hindu girls who are shouting out strange songs as they dance on the sidewalk they are dark-faced but by no means bad-looking. They are dressed in gay-colored cottons, and their persons are loaded with necklaces, rings, bracelets, and anklets. Some of them have rings on their toes. They are professional singers who are always in demand at weddings and parties. Behind them come some Mohammedan women wearing a hideous costume. It consists of a short purple jacket and a divided skirt of red cotton, which is full at the waist and narrows as it goes downward fitting tight at the knees and the calves as we go on we see that all the women wear jewelry even those who work on the street breaking stones and carrying earth to smooth the roadway have great silver rings on their ankles and bracelets of silver or glass on their wrists many have rings in their noses and some little girls have rings and bells on their toes but here comes the street sprinkling machine of jaipur it is a brown skinned half-naked man with a bag on his back the bag is a pigskin sewed up at the legs and tail the neck forming the mouth it contains several gallons and the man scatters the water over the street by holding his hand at the mouth of the bag and swinging himself this way and that as he walks he belongs to the caste of the water-carriers whose business descends from father to son continuing our way through scenes of this kind we come at last to the palace and gardens of the Maharaja. They lie in an angle formed by the two main streets, and cover one-seventh of the area of the whole city. The palaces are large buildings, surrounding courts paved with white marble. They contain many rooms, which are carpeted with splendid old rugs. There is one great parlor, whose floor is covered with hundreds of skins of tigers and leopards, killed by the Rajah, But the officials have informed us that the rajah has ordered that the best of his elephants be brought out for us we are to spend a day in a jaunt through the country and the men ask us to first have a look at the elephants as they stand in the stables what magnificent creatures they are they are larger than any we have yet seen in our travels their heads are painted or tattooed in the patterns of a camel's hair shawl each beast has a brass chain about his neck and his white ivory tusks cut off at the ends, are tipped with brass knobs and bound round with heavy brass rings. We wait until the keepers lead the huge creatures out into the courtyard and order each to kneel down that he may be blanketed and have a saddle placed on his back. The saddle is an immense wooden framework, cushioned with cloth. The beasts are so large that even when kneeling the saddles are high from the ground. We do not know how to mount, but the men bring out a ladder and we climb up step by step now the drivers have straddled the necks of the elephants each putting his legs behind the two great flapping ears they tell us to hold tight to the framework of the saddle and then give the signal to rise they do this by prodding the head or pulling at the ears of the elephant with steel hooks the beast understands he gives a grunt and then rises slowly swaying a little so that we have all we can do to hold on now we are high in the air moving along through the streets we are as high up as the roof of a cottage and the rajah's servants who have been ordered to accompany us seem far down as they trot along on each side the elephants go slowly but their motion is a swaying one and we bend from one side to the other having sensations much the same as when on a boat gently tossed by the waves we are almost seasick at first but this soon passes off and we begin to enjoy our strange ride we go out of the city and skirt the sides of the mountains nearby our road leads over the hills through the wilds we are now far out in the country but nothing we meet seems to fear us the hindus are kind to wild animals and all things having life are respected by them we pass through woods where monkeys are jumping from tree to tree or sitting and chattering at us out of the branches as we ride by now and then one hops across the road in front of our elephants frightening them so that they jump backward and almost throw us to the ground we see wild peacocks walking unconcerned on the roadway they spread out their gorgeous tails to the rays of the sun and brush the ground with their wings like so many huge turkey gobblers along the slopes of the mountains we meet droves of wild hogs and not far from jaipur skirt a lake on the banks of which a half dozen black crocodiles look like great logs as they lie asleep in the sun the tame animals we see on the roadway are quite as strange as the wild ones of the woods we go by droves of little donkeys so loaded with bags and baskets that only their legs show indeed the loads seem to be walking off by themselves the donkeys are no bigger than newfoundland dogs their dark-skinned drivers yell at them in hindustani as they move slowly onward without either bridle or rein here comes a stage hauled by a camel it is filled with black-faced passengers on their way to jaipur to trade we pass other camels ridden by men women and boys who with inquiring eyes stare at us as we go by high up on our elephants some of the camel riders are by no means polite as i have learned by a shabby trick which one of them played upon me during a former ride which i took on an elephant we had gone several miles from jaipur and my elephant was rolling along on the trot it was hot and the flies swarmed about us in thousands they half covered the elephant and so attacked my face that i had to use one hand for fanning while i held on tight to the saddle with the other while so engaged a long black-skinned hindu came by on a camel he also was tormented by flies having so many that they made his white gown look black and fairly covered the skin of his beast. As he drew near me, he took his whip and gave the camel a cut. The animal ran, and as he passed, the Hindu unwound his long white turban and swept it back and forth on both sides of the camel. Thereupon the flies left him and attacked me and the elephant, while he trotted ahead, flyless. We continue our ride on the elephants to Amber an ancient but now ruined capital of the state of jaipur its palaces are deserted and its gardens are overgrown with luxuriant weeds we dismount from our great beasts and wander about through buildings of marble exquisitely carved visit the prisons once used by the rajahs and stay a while in a temple to watch some hindus sacrificing a black goat to kali their terrible goddess after this we have lunch and return to jaipur we are tired by the time we reach our hotel and when our elephants kneel we are glad to crawl down the ladders and go off to bed end of chapter thirty-nine